Welcome to the Brand Beats Podcast, where we learn and discern, and my name is Bernie, and my beautiful bride is here. Her name is Alicia. Hello, everyone. And we're going to be talking about Passover today, because um, Passover started the day that we're recording this, and Passover is really special to us um, as Christians, and we're going to sometimes, you know, Christians... Say, why do you celebrate Passover? So we're about to tell all of you at once. (laughs) All right. So um, Passover is real special to our family. And Alicia's here, too, because uh, she likes Passover. And and she's got some of these details on how our family got started doing Passover. And I want you guys to hear from her, too. So what do you remember about how our family started celebrating Passover? Well, uh, one year when our oldest was three. Yeah, she's like three. Uh, we were reading a story Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were reading about the Last Supper. And she asked what Jesus was doing. So we were talking about how Jesus with his disciples was celebrating Passover. And she said, can we do that? <laughs> so I said, can we do what Jesus did? Sure. Yeah. And that was a fun year. We got dressed up in uh, fancy clothes and ate. we roasted a chicken and Micah was um, like one. He was one. So yeah. he was real little. And we were dancing in the house. and We played some festive music. Yep. <laughs> it was a fun Passover. And um, Passover is the time right before, it's like right before Easter usually. So that's usually the the holiday that um, most Christians celebrate. They'll they'll call it Resurrection Sunday or they'll call it Easter. But I mean, Jesus did Passover and he told his disciples, keep doing Passover. So if we're his disciples, we need to keep doing it too, at least how we see it. So um, that year we celebrated our own. And since then, we've been inviting other Christians to celebrate Passover with us too. And so we had a a Passover party tonight and it was a lot of fun. It was really special. Um, But we want to talk a little bit more about why we do Passover and then what we get out of Passover. So what would you say, Alicia, about why we do Passover. Well, I think it's interesting um, to look at some of the festivals in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And um, because when we read them in the context of the Old Testament, sometimes our eyes kind of glaze over, (laughs) you know, and we're like, oh, this is Old Testament stuff. Uh, But there's a lot of rich meaning involved. And there's, there are reasons why um, God was telling his people to do these things. So um, that really comes alive um, in a way that we can see and understand uh, with Passover in particular. Mm-hmm. 
And what's what's Passover about? Like if somebody has never heard of Passover before, um, where can we learn about Passover in the Bible? Or like, what is it about? It's from the book of Exodus. Mm-hmm. Um, and God's people um, had become enslaved in Egypt. Um, and they were um, crying out to God. Um, and so Passover is when God heard their cries and he sent someone to deliver them from that slavery, that bondage in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And that was Moses at that time. So if you know the story of baby Moses and how he grew up, or if you remember that movie, Prince of Egypt, think of that, but uh, the book's better, right? So <laughs> I don't know, the, that, the Ten Commandments, you know that one? Does yeah. it have... Uh, the story of the Exodus in it. Yeah, because they go oh. through all the plagues. And oh, okay. Stuff well, there and you go. Yeah. We should watch that. Yeah, that's a long movie, but it's a good one. I watched it's, it a long time a, ago. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. I've never seen the whole thing. Um, we got okay. We got to. That's when Pharaoh says, "So let it be written. So let it be done." And then he's got. And that's uh, he's got the people changing history and stuff because he says, "So let it be written. So let it be done." <laughs> But yeah, so, um, but yeah, but in Passover, you know, God sent 10 plagues to the Egyptians because they wouldn't let the, the Pharaoh wouldn't let the people of Israel free. And the first couple were like nuisances, right? Like it was like stuff like gnats and the river turned to blood. That's pretty serious. Yeah. um, Animals were dying. But that last mm-hmm. one is like the key focus on Passover. Mm-hmm. Okay. So talk about that last plague. Um, well, Pharaoh's heart was hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and first of all, there's a cycle that happens during the plagues where Pharaoh will, uh, actually Moses is coming to Pharaoh and telling him, the creator God, Yahweh God, is telling you to let his people go and worship him. And so Pharaoh says, no, no. And then after a certain amount of plagues, he says, okay, fine, you can go. Um, And then a little while later, he changes his mind and says, no, now the plague is gone. Now you can't go anymore. And so it's this cycle um, that happens in that way. So the last plague Um, God tells Pharaoh, um, he tells everyone that he's going to kill the firstborn child in every household, Um, except for those who kill a lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the doorframe of their house. And for the ones that have that sign on it, he instead of slaying the firstborn, he will pass over those homes. Mm-hmm. So that's the the Passover, and so that that's tragic, that tragic um, loss of life, and um, but that finally um, broke through Pharaoh's hard heart, um, so that he would permit the Egyptians to go, I mean, the Israelites to go and worship God. Mm-hmm. 
And I just wanted to pull up the scripture. So in um, Exodus 12, verse 3, it said, Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. Verse 5, it says, The lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. And going on to verse 6, it says, You may take it from the sheep, or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. In verse 8, it says, They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. So, I don't know, lambs, like you had to get a perfect one. Lambs are innocent, they're kind of cute, they're not smart. So if you if you didn't grow up in a culture where you're used to having to do that for like a sacrifice, like that seems like a big deal. Yeah, that was one of my big questions when I was a child growing up uh, because I knew God and loved him and I knew his character um, but I didn't understand why God, who loves his creation, he loves animals, you can see in scripture, um, but why he would, um, in the Old Testament, describe in such gory detail what the people were to do with the blood and the inner parts of these animals and things. Um, yeah, so that was one of my biggest questions growing up is, this doesn't, it doesn't seem to match up what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And then in theology, they call that like the doctrine of substitutionary atonement, mm -hmm. where if you take the word substitute, you know, you're playing basketball, you're tired, you get a sub. <laughs> <laughs> the sub comes in and takes your spot. Um, but in the Old Testament, they had a sacrifice system that started after um, Adam and Eve did their sin. God killed a ram to cover them, cover their bodies. That was the, for the first foreshadowing of what was to come. Yeah. yeah. And the, the concept there was that, that we see traced throughout scripture is that sin leads to death. Mm -hmm. And that was what um, God told to Adam and Eve in the garden don't eat the fruit of this tree for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Um, and so the kind of death that he was talking about, they didn't fall over dead that day, but spiritually they became separate from God, from that sin. And there was a spiritual separation, um, which was a spiritual death. Um, and that's why we talk about Getting, gaining new life in Jesus, being born again, born of the Spirit, um, because it's overcoming that that death, um, that sin wrought on us. Um, and then there's the element of the physical death. So that animal whose skin God used to cover Adam and Eve, that animal died in order for its skin to be used as a covering. Mm. So um, physical death entered into creation as well.
Mm-hmm. And so after that, um, Pharaoh let the people go because yeah. he had a child die through that too. So that's the Old Testament story. And um, people all over the world celebrate Passover, uh, focusing on that story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was like the foundation of the nation of Israel. Um, before they went into Egypt, they were it was a family. Mm-hmm. Abraham, who I mean, it was dozens of people in the family, <laughs> you know. Um, and Jacob and his sons. Um, but when they came to live in Egypt, they multiplied and increased greatly in number. Um, and so by the time they left Egypt, they were, I mean, they had to, God had to organize them into a nation because they were so many, so numerous. Mm-hmm. So why do we celebrate Passover, like, as Christians? Well, um, we told the story of our oldest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how we started um, celebrating. Um, but also we see um, the ways that the New Testament uh, shows how Jesus was the fulfillment of this Old Testament concept. Um, Like in John the Baptist, um, when he saw Jesus coming Mm -hmm. in the scene where he baptizes Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's in John 1, 29, if you're looking for that. Um, So, there's a there's a rap song I like where they talk about the Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed and the New Testament is Jesus Christ revealed. So there's all this stuff in the Old Testament that's hinting at Jesus coming and, and kind of laying some schema and some some knowledge that people will know what to look for. And then in the life of Jesus, people start seeing it happening. And it's really neat because um, they have this entire cultural mindset of what to look for in a Messiah. And, and they knew about the, the sacrifice system. And so then when Jesus is doing the, the last supper scene and he's doing Passover with his disciples, he's explaining to them in ways that they already understand from Passover, what he's, there to do for them and so when we do Passover we break it down into four different parts Um, we don't do a full Seder ritual but we make sure we hit these four parts Um, we make sure we talk about the unleavened bread the bitter herbs the lamb and the Passover cup or the blood of the lamb um, do you have something you like? You pulled something up about the leaven. Uh, no, I wasn't going to talk about the leaven. But... Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. 
We're doing it live, folks. We're doing it live. <laughs> so that le- unleavened bread, like that's not really a word we use, right? But think about like yeast or the thing that makes the bread puffy or the donuts. Yeah, they call it leavening. Mm-hmm. It's the leavening agent. And so it can be yeast or sometimes it's uh, like baking soda. Oh, yeah. And so in um, the Old Testament, this is in Deuteronomy 16, verse 3. It says, you shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. So when they eat that stuff, it's supposed to remind them about how they got out of the land of Egypt. Do you remember why it says in haste? Well, the dude changed his mind one time. (laughs) He might do it again. (laughs) They had to get up and go. Yeah, so that's the whole concept of it being unleavened because they didn't wait. Usually, Normally when you're preparing bread, an important part is waiting for the bread to rise. Uh, but they didn't wait um, because they were they needed to be able to get up and go. Mm-hmm. So it was unleavened because of that um, concept of needing to go quickly. Um, and so in a lot of practices of Passover today, people will eat the meal with their shoes on, like they're ready to go, uh, kind of to hearken back to... Um, the original Passover, when the people had to be, really had to be ready to go. Mm, that's neat. I didn't realize it. All right. So then we got some New Testament scriptures about the leaven, unleavened bread. This one's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So in verses 6 through 8, it says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Um, I learned that um, just this year, I learned that in um, a lot of households, they will, um, in preparation, knew this before, in preparation for Passover, they'll sweep out all the, try to get out all the crumbs and things um, in their household, and they get rid of all the things that have leavening in them. Mm. Um, But what I learned this year is a part of Passover for some people is to take um, a feather or, you know, whatever material and to try to go around and find crumbs on the ground and any crumbs that you can find and even get the crumbs off the ground out of your house. Mm. And so um, I have a um, friend who um, is kind of a mentor and a mentor type role and she was showing how um, we can learn from that in the same way that 
the people would scour their houses even to get rid of the crumbs on the floor that might have leavening in them. That we can uh, really search our hearts for any area that we might have sin lurking within us, even in small amounts, we can search those out. Um, and there's the scripture in Psalm 139 that says, search me, God, and, and know my heart. Um, and it's where we are, we're asking God for help, saying we can't see all of our faults and blind spots that we might have, but God knows. And so we're asking him to reveal those places in us so that um, we can work together with him through the power of the Holy Spirit to um, cleanse those out and renew us in him. Similarly to getting the leaven out of the house. Oh, man. That reminds me of my first job at Chuck E. Cheese. I had to clean those tables. And at night, we had to clean everything good. And I had to clean those booths and the Parmesan cheese would be everywhere. And I'd say, Ray, I think I'm done. And he'd come around with this flashlight, Ray's the general manager. He'd be flashing his light, say, what's that? And he'd find all this Parmesan cheese. I'd say, Ray, it wasn't there before. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd like, clean that up. We got the vacuum. We'd be up there late sometimes. But uh, Ray wanted all the cheese out the booth. But yeah, like I thought I got rid of it. And he came around with this flashlight. He's like, no, you didn't get rid of it. So. Um, we couldn't leave a little bit of mess in there. And the same way, sometimes you need somebody else to help you see your sin. So um, marriage is good for that. <laughs> <laughs> and parenting. Parenting is good for that. Yeah. Uh, God will tell you if there's something wrong. Right? Yeah. Um, but um, so also, there's always going to be something left. You know, hmm. we're always going to be battling with sin. Um, and so I think this is a piece of um, their Christian walk, uh, but it it's, has its place with some of the things we're going to be talking about next. Mm, yeah. All right. Let's go to the next one. So next we're going to talk about the bitter herbs. This is, this is my favorite part. <laughs> it's good. Of Passover. Um, I don't know if it's overlooked a lot. Usually people don't talk about bitter herbs. Like when you do communion at church, like you don't do the, like bitter herbs, you know. <laughs> know. But um, I'm just envisioning a, how that would work. Yeah. So in the Old Testament, oh, that'd be, yeah. So the Old Testament, we already read the one where it said with bitter herbs, right? But in Exodus 12, 22, it also said, um, take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. So we didn't have a sleepover at our Passover party, but um, bitter herbs were part of it. And in the New Testament, um, in Matthew 26, um, 21 through 25, part of that as Jesus dipping his hand into a bowl. And some people think that was the... Um, the bitter herb bowl. That's where they kept that stuff. And so um, what the bitter herbs make me think of are what when, whenever, let me start over. So when people do a traditional Seder, they talk about the bitterness of slavery in Egypt and the bitterness of, of oppression, right? Um, I think about 
the bitterness of sin and how tragic that is. So um, sometimes sin can trick you. Like you can think it's fun or you can think like it's not really that bad. But, yeah, we've all probably known someone who's um, been in the grips of addiction. Mm-hmm. And that's the the kind of trap that is set by sin is to make it look like it's appealing and it's not that big of a deal. Um, and you could have control over it. Um, but when we, when we really have an understanding of sin, we realize that sin doesn't want a friend or a companion. Sin wants a slave. Yeah. So the way we observe this is we get like a teaspoon of horseradish, like this real bitter, strong mess. And some people like it. You know, I remember I used to eat horsey sauce at Arby's. And the first time we did this, we used horsey sauce. And we were like, oh, okay, yeah, it's bitter. But Alicia <laughs> said, that's not the good stuff. <laughs> and we went, you got to go to Tom Thumb in, in, in our area. Every grocery store doesn't have it. But you get the straight jar of horseradish. And if you put too much of that, I ate too much of that once. And I was, felt like I was choking and crying. And it was terrible. And and even smelling it is like traumatic. You're like, oh man, I can't. I don't even want to do this, you know. So yeah. it's a but. So we tell like we tell people like at Passover, take a. You can either put a little bit of this in your mouth to remind you how bad sin is, or if you're like for the kids, if they're too scared to do it, to say let that be a reminder to you that uh, <laughs> yeah. how to tell it, say no to sin. Yeah, you need to do the same thing when sin comes your way. Yeah. Remember that it's bitter and it's not what it what it says, what it claims to be. That's right. All right, we're about to hit a time limit for recording. So we're going to take a quick break and be right back. about Passover, uh, how we started doing Passover as a family, why we do Passover uh, as Christians, and breaking down the parts of Passover. So we talked about the unleavened bread, we talked about the bitter herbs, and now we're going to talk about the lamb. The lamb, and then we're going to get into the blood slash cup. So the lamb is the important part. Um, they had to get a perfect lamb. They had to slaughter the lamb. There were very specific instructions for what they had to do. They had to eat all of the lamb. And they, um, they I mean, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the New Testament, the lamb is mentioned a lot. And Jesus's reference to as the lamb. Mm-hmm. So we already talked about John 1, 29, when John the Baptist saw him, he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, um, pointing back to the Passover lamb. 
There's also a reference in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. It says, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And that's a reference to um, Jesus never sinned. So he could be a perfect sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, and then one more reference is Revelation 5, 12. And it says, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So Jesus was the real one. That's, that's the ultimate lamb for the world. Uh, do you have anything you want to add for that? Just that passage we read out of 1 Corinthians 5 says, For Christ, our Passover also has been sacrificed. So in that passage, it's saying specifically Passover. Mm -hmm. And in the other ones talk about the lamb, but this one is specifically saying it's we're talking about Passover here. Yeah. So, and remember again, Passover was about that substitutionary atonement. Mm -hmm. It was the, uh, the angel of death was coming to every home. And the only way anybody got out of that was through that substitutionary atonement mm -hmm. and that sign on the door. Yeah. I saw a neat quote from our friend Jennifer that uh, we used to go to church with. It said, um, it said like it doesn't it didn't matter who was in the house or how good or bad they thought they were. It just mattered if the door if the blood was on the door. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we think, well, we can escape judgment if we're really good or if we give back or we do our part or we stand up for others or we do whatever we think we have to do to be a good person. Mm -hmm. But none of us are good people because we've all, um, we've all sinned. If you've sinned one time, you, you're, guilt, you're still guilty. So. Yeah, there is, there truly is a judge. And so we can't make up our own judgments um, and think that they're going to stand mm -hmm. because we're not him. Yeah. And even if I, I hear somebody say one time, like, if you stand before a judge and he says, you robbed the bank and shot the guard, how do you plead? And you say, well, I know I'm guilty. And they say, well, you're guilty and I'm going to send it to you to the electric chair. And you say, well, wait a minute, I don't believe in the electric chair, so that can't happen to me. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you don't believe in the electric chair. <laughs> You're still going to get the electric chair. And so sometimes it's like we don't want to believe that we're guilty of sin, and, and we think we can earn our way out of our sentence, but we really can't. Like, we're, we, don't have, we don't have enough money to write the check. You know, we don't have the right sacrifice for that because our stuff's not perfect. And it takes some hum humility to repent and um, take the deal. I call it the plea deal sometimes. <laughs> so the, um, the whole concept of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament was about atonement for sin. Um, and... Hebrews sheds light on um, 
it talks about how the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. Um, and it wasn't because it wasn't intended to take it away. Um, so what was the intention of the blood of all those bulls and goats? I mean, if you read the Old Testament, there were thousands at a time, sometimes slaughtered and sacrificed. Um, and so we have a friend in our connection class who um, talked about, like, if you can imagine yourself there, like, think about how all of your senses would be involved in this process. Oh, man. Like what you hear going, like all those animals around you and what you smell. Imagine what you smell from all of that mm -hmm. going on. And I mean, let alone what you see. I mean, just. Um, they have to eat it and they get the blood on their hands and on their clothes. and Yeah. So, I mean, a very real um picture of what sin is doing to humanity and to God's creation as a whole. Um, and so that's that concept that sin leads to death. Um, and God was painting that very vividly for people to see um, that we could see that concept, sin leads to death. But those sacrifices, remember, they were never meant to take away the sin, but they were pointing forward to, to someone who would take away that sin, mm -hmm. which was who? Jesus, <laughs> the Messiah. <laughs> the real chosen one, not LeBron James and all that. You know, you're not a chosen one just because you're a good athlete. So. Oh, boy. All right. So recently... Um, we read about um, the Ethiopian um, who was riding down the road and um, who was it that talked to him? I think it was, was Philip. It Philip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And so this Ethiopian man who's riding back to um, after he's, he had gone to um, Jerusalem to worship and then he was going back home. And do you remember what he was reading? As the scroll of Isaiah. Uh-huh. And the, the passage that he read aloud and asked about was from Isaiah 53. Mm -hmm. um, and here's Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of Yahweh been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. So this is nothing out of the ordinary, um, kind of blended in with the rest of humanity. But he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom mid men hid their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But Yahweh has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered it? That he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. Mm. Yeah, and the Ethiopian said, who is this about? Mm -hmm. And Philip was able to tell him this is about Jesus. Like we can see it now. It's like somebody that has the benefit of having an entire like TV show or movie series out at the same time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you you can you can finish uh, Star Wars and New Hope and go straight oh, into boy. Empire Strikes Back, right? Um, <laughs> like we can go straight from the Old Testament to the New. These guys had to wait. And they had to wait and they had to wait for and they had to tell the stories of the history of their people so that when it would finally did happen, they could connect those dots. Mm -hmm. A lot of them were able to connect the dots and say that Passover thing we do every year, like that, like Christ is that Messiah, that Passover lamb. Yeah. And it's really interesting too, I think, to see the work that Jesus, we talk about Jesus's ministry. A lot of times we talk about the three years when he was alive on earth, walking around with his disciples before the cross. But I think it's really interesting to look at when he returned um, after he, spoiler alert, rose from the dead. <laughs> and um, especially on the road to Emmaus, when the two disciples are walking along and they're heartbroken, talking about how Jesus has died and Jesus walks up to them, but he doesn't allow them to know who he is. But he, um, he opens up to them the Old Testament, which is the scripture they had at the time. And he just goes through the Old Testament, showing how all these things pointed to him and prophesied of him. Um, and I'm just like, man, what? I, you know, if the, sometimes you're asked the question, if you could be a fly on the wall anywhere in history, where would you want to be? And man, I would have loved to have heard Jesus talk about all the parts of the Old Testament that were about him and just hand that over. And you can see it being repeated um, from, through the disciples and the apostles um, and the builders of the early church as they move about spreading the gospel. They are showing people through the Old Testament um, the foreshadowings and the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to ask him for a, re a reenactment. <laughs> <laughs> one day. Yeah. Okay, so one more thing on the lamb. Okay. Um, so in the Last Supper, uh, you see the bread that he's breaking, and you see 
the cup that mm-hmm. they pass, but there's no lamb. So mm. that is like the one of the most important parts of the whole thing. They didn't have a lamb at the Last Supper. Not, not that we know of. Okay. Um, but that's like forgetting the the cowboy game on Thanksgiving. <laughs> you don't got the pumpkin pie. You don't got the what? <laughs> well, if you look at the timing, what I'm told, mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't done dug into it myself to verify this but um they had to actually do observe the supper early um and then as they um went out and jesus was arrested and put on trial and then crucified that while he was on the cross was the actual very hour that people were going and sacrificing the passover lamb Mm. And so even the timing of that, like, was aligned to show, look, you've got the bread, and Jesus said, this is my body. You've got the cup, and Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant. And then you have the sacrifice, Mm. that unblemished lamb. Well, I wouldn't put it past God. (laughs) He's like, do y'all understand now? I heard a pastor one time, he told the gospel three different ways or five different ways in one sermon. They did a skit, they did a song, they did a, they did all this stuff. And at the very end, he said, look, we don't explain this to y'all five different ways. <laughs> <laughs> so if you still don't get it, come talk to us later. But we try to tell you about how good God is and how you can be right with him. So yeah, I wouldn't put it past the middle. And that cup. Okay, so let's talk about the cup. Um, in the Old Testament, in some scriptures about the blood, Exodus 12, 17. It said, Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintels of the house in which they eat it. And then Exodus 12, 23 said, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. And then you read, you said this one already, Luke twenty two twenty, 20. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And then Hebrews 9, 11 and 12, it says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more imperfect more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Mm-hmm. So that was how, that was, sometimes we say the perfect sacrifice, because mm-hmm. you don't have, you don't have to keep doing it over and over yeah it was final and complete mm-hmm. so do you have anything you want to talk about about the cup i mean we drink juice so <laughs> when we do this part we drink juice for the lamb we ate brisket tonight sometimes we do chicken mm-hmm. um one year some friends got some real lamb that we could eat and that was nice mm-hmm. they air fried it 
But yeah, we found some brisket. We we from Texas, so <laughs> <laughs> we found out you can eat brisket for Passover. We said we're down with that. Some sweet baby Ray sauce. Uh, so regarding the cup, um, when we talk about the cup um, mm. in scripture, sometimes there's reference made to the cup of God's wrath. Mm. Um, and so you can see how um, God's wrath is poured out on sinners who are in rebellion against him. And so I don't know if you listeners know this, but every one of us is in that category of sinners. Um, And so every one of us is under God's judgment unless um, he provides a way of, of, of atonement for us, which is what we've been talking about. Yeah. Because out of his own great love, he loves he loves us so much. He didn't want us to be stuck in that. So he made a way out, um, which you usually don't hear about in stories. You know, there's a song I like to say, when have you ever heard about the hero dying for the villain? So usually it doesn't go that way. Yeah. So when Jesus is praying the, the night that he's arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, it's a famous prayer. Um, and he says, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. So he's referencing a cup. And what cup is he referencing there? The cup of God's wrath on the sin of the world, mm-hmm. to be poured out on the sin of the world. Yeah. So. I was just trying to say, make sure you're talking like, <laughs> I've been signaling like, oh, oh. <laughs> broke my train of thought. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So that cup of wrath um, that Jesus was talking about, if there's any other way, let's do that. But then the second half, he says, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so Jesus said, I really don't want to do this. Um, But I will submit to the Father. He was a perfect example of submission to the Father. Even though he's equal with the Father, um, he's a perfect example of submission. And that's what um, the kids and I were talking about a few days ago. That's why Jesus is called the Son of God. He wasn't born um, you know, in in the beginning, he already was. John 1, 1 tells us um, he wasn't born spiritually. He, wa- he existed um, e- into eternity past. Um, and so there's not a reason for him to be called the son based on his origin. Um, but it's based on his uh, role and how he teaches us to be sons of God and daughters of God. Mm. Well, that's deep too. Mm. <laughs> All right. So in thinking about eternal redemption and what all this is about, 
if somebody um, doesn't know how they can be right with God, we need to tell them. If you don't know how to be right with God, if you don't, if you don't realize it, you're not right with God <laughs> when you're if you're living in your sin. So if you've ever broken any of God's rules, if you've ever disrespected God or defied um, your role in your relationship with God, even one time, then that makes you guilty. So you can go through the Ten Commandments and ask yourself if you've broken any of them. How many lies have you told? Have you ever stolen anything, even if it's small? Have you ever disrespected your parents? Used God's name as a filth word or a cuss word? Have you ever done something um, sexual outside of marriage? Um, any of those things are, are easy ways to kind of check yourself and see if you've ever um, broken any of God's laws. And he's a good judge, and good judges don't let people um, just go free. So if if somebody um, stole your car and lit it on fire and they get brought before a judge and the judge has all the evidence there, but he says, you know what, I'm a nice guy, I'm going to let you go. Like, that's not just, that's not justice. And in our culture especially, we like to talk about justice. Um, you'd want some justice for that and you wouldn't get it if he's not a good judge but he's also full of mercy yeah so before we move on to mercy okay. james 2 10 says for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point he has become guilty of all mm -hmm. and so the concept here is that what condemns us is not how much we sin it's not if we sinned past a certain point or more than a certain person mm -hmm. um, or even if we sinned more than we did good the point here is that if you broke the law then you you are broken mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter how much or how little you stand condemned under god because his standard is perfect holiness. Mm -hmm. And then out of his own mercy, he built a way for you to come out of that through the sacrifice of a perfect spotless lamb and his son. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work just because he did that. You know, like if I tell you, hey, I have good news. I bought a thousand dollar gift card. And you're like, okay, that's great. <laughs> uh, you don't get access to any of that unless you like receive the gift that I try to give you, right? And so sometimes people in our culture have said, ask Jesus into your heart. And I can understand why they try to say that. But I mean, the Bible says you have to repent. So you have to give up your old ways of choosing to do sin instead of living God's way. Mm -hmm. And you have to ask him to help you walk in his ways and yeah, choosing your own way is basically like setting yourself up as your own God. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, uh, my good pastor, pastor Susan told me, you have to let tell God you want him to be the boss of your life. So are you yeah. trying to be the boss like Pharaoh or are you going to let 
God be the boss of your life. Yeah, that's what we mean by Lord. Mm -hmm. So thanks. Shout out to Pastor Susan. <laughs> oh, man. So if you realize you're not right with God and you want to be, and you can see the connections in Passover, um, all you have to do is confess your sin to God. You don't have to go through your whole life history, right? But the ones you can think about and say, hey, I realize I wasn't doing, um, I wasn't honoring you. I wasn't loving you well. I was disrespecting you. Um, you have to be sorry about that and tell him you want to roll the right way and ask him to give you a new heart and he'll transform your heart and give you one that thirsts for righteousness instead of thirsting for breaking his rules. That's right. But at the same time, like we were talking about in the first part, we were talking about sweeping out the crumbs. Mm -hmm. Our part in that, we have, we do have a part in that, but we also, God also requires us to trust in Him yeah, yeah. and in His work. So the good news is that Jesus has taken that consequence for sin. He's taken that judgment on Himself. Um, on our behalf and so we can trust in his sacrifice um, and receive that redemption so we repent and believe and that's what believe means it means trust him so we start by trusting his sacrifice his provision for redemption and then in knowing him more we trust him more in his character and as we walk with him through daily life together. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Brian Beats Podcast learn to discern if you want to learn more give us a follow on whatever podcast service that you use or subscription you can follow us on uh, spacehay.com slash berean beats it's just like the old myspace it's way better than facebook <laughs> or you can give us a follow on the newly restored uh, parlor.com slash berean beats thanks again for listening and happy Passover. <laughs>